are a silly girl. You're silly boy, silly boy, silly boy, silly boy. Hey, I'm a silly girl. I'm a silly girl. Sick. <laughs> Now to the task at hand. I know that you wish to speak about your sports games incessantly, but I am here for a different purpose. Think about back in the day when you were late night, little lady on the grind, gotta get my door, my crime, two in here, stacking up here, with surf down, no, it's bed, nine, nine. This is a real case number. Will the defendant please stand? Please put your tray in the upright is position. Is there anything you wish to say on this matter? Go ahead and get comfortable. No, Will the court sentences you to death by Do your mom a favor chair. and buckle up. In the early 90s, the Lord gave us one of the greatest rap groups we've ever seen. And we hardly even knew the a violent rap group, but not talking about automatic weapons or pistols like their other rivals, not really. They leave it cold with the shotgun, talking about the Remington Steel. All through their CDs, we'll be getting into that bone. Thugs in harmony and what they have in common. With a very certain baseball team we'll be talking about today, you know what I'm saying? Kid, get after it. 4-4 game in the ninth inning. Cunha's walked in his last two trips. High fly ball. Center field deep. At the track. At the wall. It's gone. In all of the racial divide rolling through this country, particularly during the OJ Simpson thing, people just forget about the Midwest. A little group from Cleveland that got in touch with my man Easy E. You remember him, right? Incredible times and incredible rap group. Why do you keep playing baseball feeds from Braves team players? I have no idea why I'm doing this. Maybe I'm going to talk about them. Let's listen to one more. One of the most original sounds you will ever hear in your entire life. Dudes that rap that have choir voices and in these stories give you the blueprint on not who they killed, not just where and when and how. They'll tell you everything you want to know and it's not just East 99. It's all their albums, especially the first one, which we're going to hammer on for the majority of what I'm talking about with Bone in comparison to the Atlanta Braves and what they have going with their 1-2-3 in that lineup. And you're looking at probably three Hall of Famers, three guys battling over the MVP, and it happened nearly in the same fashion just in the early 1990s, and you just simply ain't getting this anywhere else. 
If you want to go ahead and pat yourself on the back for already subscribing, good for you. Because in the dog days of summer, nobody's going to carry like we do. I can guarantee you that. Bro Exotic is in. Yes, Bro Exotic. And he has come in with the most ridiculous hot take you have ever heard. And then once again, somehow justifies it. I don't even know. I don't even know how that really goes, really. A lot of guns in this here. I like it. And the Drunk Neighbor is coming on to talk about the new 2024 SEC schedule. Some early notes we may want to know coming up here in the Florida State game leading up. Only about two months, two weeks away. It ain't far. They'll also be talking about LSU going to Omaha to the College World Series. They have the number one and the number two draft pick. I don't think I've ever really seen that. I think North Carolina did it. One year, maybe Fullerton. Don't know. Who cares? We'll find out. It's going to be a great episode. We are not going to be getting into any of the other insanity that you will be hearing. Uh, and that's exactly what it is today when it comes to listening just to anything on the news. I can't even do it. And I know I said it wasn't going to get political really here, and I won't because I don't need to. Uh, the, the simple thing is all guys like me want and all normal like-minded people. And when I mean like-minded, I don't mean white. I don't mean Republican. I don't mean Christian. It could be any. It doesn't matter. Whatever combination that that, that may be. We just want a fair fight. And I'm not talking about dominion and stupid voting or whatever conspiracy theories. I just mean from the media. We have just gotten information right now that is going through that House and that Senate floor. I'm well, the House floor, soon to be on the Senate floor. But I'll tell you right now, what's happening, what they, these donations to these grandkids coming from foreign accounts, particularly out there in the Ukraine and other countries. You got one from Turkey. I mean... This would be an automatic red flag with a normal civilian. I understand why it's not right here, but to have 50,000 more counts of what's ha- it's, it I'm sorry, it's pageantry at its best. And really, I really feel the Democrat strategists would do themselves a favor and realize all you're doing and all you're doing is revving up that base like a chainsaw with an infinity amount of gas. It just ain't going to run out and it's only going to cut down more stuff. It's like Paul Bunyan after he did a fresh eight ball and then did international chest workouts on Monday because International Chest Day is Monday. Everybody knows this. I wonder what international chest workouts even are. Who cares? Let's get to business. You know, it's just like one of those things. You know, I, I, I don't quite know how to grasp. <laughs> it's like, does a tree fall in the woods? Does International Chest Day, do they work out chest differently on Monday in France? I don't know. Maybe one day we'll find out. We should ask Tommy Bench. I think he's over in the Orient again. Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. Bone Thugs and Harmony. For you young bucks out there, I know you've heard of them. They have 10,000 massive hits, one being Crossroads, which I played earlier. To put things to perspective, to uh, allow you to understand things through my eyes in this point in time, in the early to mid-90s, racial tension was extremely high. And the rap game was making its way not just into like MTV or BET, but to CNN and Fox because there was so much happening with the East and the West Coast. Now, you know, there's documentaries and podcasts for hours on this with people that specialize in this type of thing. So I'm not going to dip my toe too far in the deep end there. But I can tell you that Bone Thugs and Harmony came right when all this was happening. And the reason they even became famous was on one of the biggest miracle false pretenses ever of them getting to Easy e before he passed away from HIV. I know y'all saw NWA, or you know, y'all saw NWA, uh, hilarious movie. Is that what it was called? It was called NWA, right? I think it was called something. It was called Straight Out of Compton, right? But they show you know Easy E and you know what he did on that side of things. But he was quite the entrepreneur and made his way you know to actually get behind Bones, subsidize most of the, most of this, get these guys going. And they realized he realized very early 
that you had an extremely, extremely, extremely unique talent with this young group of people, and it's something that you just hadn't really seen. On the West Coast, you have Tupac and you have Dre. You have that whole thing over there when they're really warming things up over there, all the way over on the East, and you have Biggie Smalls, everything going on with them, Death Row, Wreck. You have all of these things going into each other. There were so many homicides of high-profile rappers, and the bodies were stacking up around every single city in this country. It just so happened that during that time, New Orleans was the most violent it has ever been, only to be eclipsed right now. And I remember it came out into the suburbs. We only lived eight and a half miles from the Superdome almost. I mean, it's just, you get on the interstate, guys, like New Orleans, when we say it's small, I don't think you understand what that means. Like, you are in New Orleans and out of New Orleans. It is that small. It ain't big. And they, they, they factor in, they do what Houston does, but on a smaller scale, if you factor in, you take away the Katy, see Dallas doesn't do this, but they split Fort Worth out. Houston takes Katy into consideration. You ever been to Houston? Yeah, Katy's 19 hours west, so they still consider it Houston, but my point is that, that the, uh, in New Orleans, the crime was just at an all-time high, and it was an all-time high too in Cleveland, Ohio, and the bodies were stacking rancid out there. You can go back and read some of this stuff was happening in Cleveland, it was you had a lot of stuff going on. You had a massive cocaine game going up and down that river that caught on fire, apparently. And you also, on top of that, you had things going on with like traditional gangsters. And Cleveland was just a mess. And Bone got in here and started talking about all the things that they did. We talked about UNLV before the rap group here, one of Cash Money's first um, endeavors. And we, we talked about No Limit Records, the beef between Master P, Mystical, with UNLV's Yellow Boy, which led to a song by them, Drag Him by the River. Um, and that basically was, you know, Yellow Boy saying what he's going to do to Mystical. And then they found that guy floating in the river. So apparently they got to him first. We did a whole thing on that about 16 months ago. Or excuse me, 24, almost 26 months ago. It was one of the first ones we did when we rebranded everything. But that's not the point. The point is very simple. When you disclose rap lyrics, you cannot get in trouble for anything. And you can get down to just about reading court details and then just not swearing to an affidavit or just not swearing under oath or get later on. In other words, you, none of this is admissible in court. How, how brilliant. So these guys are over here talking about all the stuff that they actually did. Now, if you get bored, you should go read some of these lyrics I had to drop down what I was going to do because then this turns into a bone podcast and it's not really supposed to be that, right? But here's a little background on these guys, uh, if you didn't know. So the original members of the cast were Busy Bone, Wish Bone, Lazy Bone, he was my favorite, Crazy Bone, and the one that everybody forgets, Flesh and Bone. Now, I saw these guys in the music farm in Charleston, South Carolina in 2001. And it was, uh, it was unbelievable. I will tell you this. I don't like live music, and somehow they got me in to see Beanie Man, right? The reggae dude. Uh, I don't even smoke marijuana. Right? I'm not really big into that. Never have been. Apparently, I was good at other stuff, I guess, like drinking. But I'll tell you this, though. Uh, the times I could done marijuana, I could count them on one hand. So smoking marijuana. And like two of these times would probably be of the one hand I could hold up, where you walked out of there with like a contact high. That was just impossible to avoid. I remember like eating peanut butter and jelly with no bread and just doing that whole nasty, just continue to get fatter as a freshman. And boy, I was really good at that. I gained the freshman 20, got rid of that real quick. But boy, that was, that was interesting. What do you mean there's all, what do you mean there's girls here? I just came from this all boys school with a bunch of brothers from Baltimore. What's the problem? I don't want to go to class. Everybody knows this. What makes this, what makes this group so unique 
It's not just the fact that they blueprint out all the murders they did. There's like 50 of these homicides. These are documented homicides you can look online. You can look at these. Most of them are open. And they're over here telling you what they did, but you can't do anything about it. It's hysterical. And I know some people maybe listening to this will say, technically, that's not the case. If you could subpoena and do something with rap lyrics, there'd be several people. C. Murder wouldn't be in jail right now. He wouldn't be upstate in Angola. There's a reason why you can't do all that. Um, But in this instance... You know, it's just interesting how they were able to use that to their advantage. I said earlier, I mean, these guys didn't really like pistols. They talk about a double Glock a lot in a lot of their lyrics, and they don't really get into the automatic weapons much, but boy, the shotgun is just their thing, and they like the sawed-off varietal. Have you ever shot a sawed-off shotgun? I did once. It was over the pandemic on a farm that a customer of mine owns. God, it's scary. I mean, it goes everywhere. (laughs) It's an absolute mess. You can't miss. And you are going to hit a lot of things probably that you don't want to. And I'm sure they did. And I am not condoning this behavior. But what I am saying, it's still fascinating. Fascinating can mean other than what we think. When they made George Bush time man of the year, they didn't think he was the man of the year. They were just saying he was the most influential man of the year. So the same instance or the same thing applies uh, to that. And on that same wavelength, fascinating it is. So, of course, we just jump right into this. Now, the thing is, what you need to understand from what I'm trying to tell you here is not to just get on like some people do on their show. I say just kind of read off Wikipedia or whatever. Yeah, it's great. You could do that on your own. But I want to talk to you about a very important part within uh, Bone and their rise, not so much their fall. And again, I got to be mindful of time. Uh, but like I told you, established in Cleveland in 91, they originally called themselves the Band-Aid Boys. And I actually remember that uh, one of their videos when actually MTV played videos on the television about music and, and, and stuff. They changed it in 93 to Bone Enterprise. And then when Eazy-E got to it, that's when he changed the name to Bone Thugs and Harmony. Eazy-E, a very smart dude. Because uh, that marketing ploy right there, the harmony aspect of things, is really what I want to mention because this is what goes under the radar when these guys are talked about you know, with the greats. When I first went to that boarding school in the inner city up there, uh, you know, I, just, I didn't really know much about rap, like, like Master P and all this stuff. But like, up there, the rap arguments would escalate to fistfights, and there were three people that had always came up, these three. All right, it was Jay-Z, Nas, DMX. In, in their late 90s, early 2000s, these three were as big as each other. Nas just came out. Uh, with that massive album, Nostradamus came out with that. It had like nine singles on it, right? DMX had just came out with Flesh of My Flesh. He was going to do then It's Dark and Hell is Hot. That was a massive one. The Hard Not Life on Jay-Z. He just came out with that only to set up, what's the next one called? God, I forgot, another 9,000 singles. All these guys were on their way of, of blowing up. These guys were all kind of huge in their own right, and then Jay-Z ran away and never looked back. But Bone was never included in any of this, and I always found that to be interesting. Although the three rappers that I just mentioned were wildly talented and very, uh, in their own right, unique and original, I don't think anybody comes near these guys. You're a white boy from the suburbs. Well, not too far from New Orleans, and I am white. But I will tell you that, and I am ashamed of that. Of course, I just had to say that. But what's very interesting to note here is that the way that these guys, the way that they put their CDs together, the way that they were made their foundation of what made them so special is what we're really going to focus on here. And that's going to tie in well to what I want to talk about uh, in regards to the Atlanta Braves and, and what they have going on right now. I could hear a bone beat from a hundred yards away, not even know it's some of their new stuff and go, that sounds like bone. It's so unique. It's sullen. It's drowned out. They deal with a lot of horror. They like to do a lot of things with death and life. 
And even through their CDs as they came out, you can almost see like a spiritual change within them, which we'll talk about. And they're pretty open about that now. I'm not going to get into whether or not they believe in God or not. It's irrelevant to me. But what's more important is that, like I said, what they're comprised of is what makes them so special. What makes them so special? Well, you have, you have four guys to five, technically, that can sing. But they can't just like, I'm not talking about sing. I mean like Montel Jordan. These guys can sing. Church choir type voice. I mean, Busy can sound almost like John Legend. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous uh, what these guys, uh, the talent they have. And it's true storytelling. It's old school storytelling. And they're telling you how they killed a bunch of people. In detail. How, I mean, that's not fascinating? I don't know. It, it certainly is to me. They go in and out. All of them rap really fast, as you know, especially busy. But the thing about what they do is they slow this down. It's like System of a Down. What makes System of a Down so uh, incredible is that you have two vocalists, you know, Serge, the other dude that could sing actual like like some sort of opera caliber. Listen to how these guys can acapella. It's unbelievable. Then they bang around. They go slow and fast, slow and fast, slow and fast. Like you've never heard anything like it. You know, you either love it or you hate it. I think it's insane. I love those guys. And it's so funny because the drummer is a huge Trump guy. And his brother-in-law is Serge, the lead singer, who's the biggest liberal on earth. And yet they still managed to put their differences aside and be a successful band. Now, they broke up because they were together for 20-something years. But, I mean, good for them for being able to put that aside to go make that money. Or something that's really important, right? Not worrying about who's going to be president. Something tells me I think it matters less and less. I think we're all just being screwed. Now more than ever, I can clearly see we're just in this rat race. We have different jerseys on and we're being laughed at and bet on by a bunch of people in suites looking down on us from afar like they did the gladiators. Well away from the, we're far away from the blood, sweat, and tears uh, coming down, however. And speaking of which, that will play in nice to bone. Not just do their lyrics talk about the homicides. They love to use instruments within there. There's always an organ or a piano and it's being played very eerily. These guys can play instruments. As a matter of fact, they can play six altogether. So you have, well, I could get into that, it doesn't matter. They all play guitar almost, except for one, two play piano. I think it's incredible. When you're musically inclined, just how amazing it is to be able just to, you know, go play guitar. Oh, I learned to play the flute today. Oh, what'd you do yesterday? I got Rosetta Stone, learned, Rosetta Stone learned French. Well, you're a cuck, and good luck with that, but I wish I could do that, but I can't. I'm just not that smart. Bone's uniqueness uh, really just goes off the charts. Never heard anything like it. Originality is going to draw me in, and if there's content, I'm going to stay, which is what we hope that most of you do when you listen to this. And the reason why I wanted to talk about Bone is because they're doing something with them in BET. In about two months, I saw one of the advertisements on Twitter, and I was like, oh, you follow BET? I follow everybody. Who cares? Well, you don't like black entertainment television, man? You know what? They used to have some unbelievable reruns on there. And they used to be the only show, the only act in town playing Hanging with Mr. Cooper. And did I watch that? Absolutely. One of the most underrated sitcoms of all times. Everybody knows this. But through all the pain and the suffering in these lyrics that you can nearly have to go read, and I'm going to play you a little acapella here on one of the most murderous voices, literally, I've ever heard, my murderous lyrics I've ever heard. And it's a guy, it's busy really slowing it down so you can hear what he's actually saying. We'll get to that in a second. The song that I played here was Down 71, let off their huge album and, and one of their most notorious jams. And... You know, what we're going to do here, what we can see with Bone, or what I'm trying to do, hopefully you can go check out some of their stuff. They're still performing, still getting out there doing their thing, but it'll never quite be the same. And I'm sure they get stuck in that hole. They go to a concert. They want to play their new stuff. Nobody wants to hear the new stuff, right? Play the hits. 
which was what makes Kenny Loggins so amazing, by the way. And that's what everybody at Jazz Fest told me. He goes right for the jugular. He doesn't play his new stuff. We get the foot loose right now. <laughs> it's the danger zone yesterday, pal. You were in the danger zone before you got here. You didn't know that? And I love it. And much like any sports team that has young players, you'll see them transition through. Much so did they as they went through their own group, Bone Thugs and Harmony. Their first couple albums were unbelievably wildly violent. And when you talk about the amount of people they talk about killing, the conspiracy, the things they the murder that they talk about, all the different ways that they go about this, it, it's, it's pretty unbelievable to deny, especially with certain songs like Creeping on a Come Up. I mean, I was going to play that, but I could just tell you about it. They're basically telling you what they did to this dude that owed him money over the drug game and what happens when you don't come up and need to do things in Cleveland and how you have to make a statement or it'll just continue to happen. Like you see in the movies. Let him get away with a nickel, tomorrow it's a dollar, and then it's everything. These guys were ruthless. Ruthless. And yet somehow always bringing God into this whole thing. I find it to be also fascinating. You'd be talking about blowing someone's head off and then getting your life right with Christ. I, it's interesting to me. I think if you're decapitating someone with a shotgun, yeah, you probably should. They're letting this CD, you know, the, the, the massive one, Crossroads itself, not Eternal 99. Well, Eternal 99 is the name of the CD, but also had Crossroads, which you guys remember. And all these songs that were more or less kind of like uh, uplifting. Um, they had another one come out, The Art of War. I'm sure most of you guys heard about that. But a lot of these songs that were in this, you know, Change the World. These guys are rapping, you know, Look Into My Eyes, Change the World, Crossroads. These songs were more slow, like a spiritual, something you'd almost sing in church. It's kind of weird. You kind of see how they, the profanity dropped immensely and the violent lyrics would kind of drop behind that as well. Now, what happened to the group is well, what happens to most. You just run out of new stuff. And look, let, let, look, Breaking Bad only had, what, two seasons? One of the best shows ever. They ended it at the right time. Say what you want about Lost. I love Lost. It's one of the best shows ever the first four seasons. Anyone will tell you that. Everyone knows this. If you don't think Lost is one of the best shows ever, first four seasons, I won't let you around my kid. And I can't let you around my kid. Because there's a 100% chance that you and Bro Exotic are going to take him to a pansexual petting zoo. And that's just equally as bad as a trans. Actually, it's worse than a trans drag show. So I can't let you around my kid. I'm glad we could establish that. I knew I'd slip that in here somewhere. But these guys would stop, take like a break. They didn't have anything. And I've always said it's just better when you have content to just not put anything out when you're super talented and just wait till you have something worth putting out. See, Soldier Boy has no talent as a rapper. He'll probably tell you that. But if I could meet... Soldier Boy, I, I would absolutely, he's probably top 10. I'm fascinated by this kid. Start a dance that white people like in a pool with an instructional video on YouTube. Brilliant. Brilliant. How smart is it? We're still doing this. You are. God, I hate that song. But Soldier Boy, after that album, realized he had to keep it going, and his manager did because he had no talent. So they pumped out two albums in the next like three weeks <laughs> just to get it all out there now. Soldier, we got to get you on tour. Soldier, start talking shit to Ice. To ice tea on YouTube so we can get you relevant again. See, Bone wasn't going to do that. They weren't going to be a hack and cross the line, I guess. So they just decided to not disband, but just take a break. And then you just get stuck, in, especially with the group. And then you try to go solo and all these things. You know how that goes. And I still feel that they're one of the more underrated, unbelievable rap groups. And if you have time to go back and read some of these lyrics and hear what these guys are saying, it's pretty ridiculous. Had to get him up with two guns 
but it's side by side with number one. Bet I won't drop my gauge on when I ball ball chase. If they catch me barehanded, I'm done. Rip gripping a six shot pump, so spiller. Gotta let him in a lid off. Copper thought that he had me caught. Little lazy blew his head off. Get him on the get up. The bullets they start to get lit up. Number one, Mr. Duckin', but the gun already booked. And we split up, us the left on the double blocking. Where the fiends pull up for rocks and it's this perfect getaway from them pigs. But I peel and I hit the fences. Ribbing in me trenches. I'm bailing while they trailing. Better inhaling than the sailing. Ain't no telling where them copper be dwelling. Uh, if you didn't know what that was about, yeah, they killed a cop. And you can go listen and read about it. <clears throat> you won't really read about it in any articles because there was definitely no conviction there at all. I don't know what happened. And this is back when, I mean, there was so much crap happening to black people from white cut. There was a lot of stuff happening. And I can tell you in, in New Orleans, it was ridiculous. Uh, I know we've come a long way since then. And now we just don't have any cops in general. There definitely is a lot behind a lot of the uh, aggravation and the unrest in some of that community. And I'm telling you, I mean, I had some friends in New Orleans that were young. You know, they were once one of them went to the church I was at. He's a black dude. He would tell me about it. I'd be like, damn, and I only live like less than 10 miles away from you, you know, in Kenner. It's right down the street. So it's crazy. You can hear in his voice the different speeds, the different range, the different pitches. It just makes it to where it is just unbelievable. You really don't see this at all. These guys are 90, these guys are more talented than 99.9% .9 of all the rappers out there right now, sight unseen. I mean, look, it took me like so long to understand the Shaq West Mobamba. So I still can't get over that, being as where he played for West Town and they were right there in our conference. You know, we dro I dropped six on West Town in 2000, son. <laughs> oh, that felt great. It's a true story. <laughs> What makes Bones so unique, as I've said before, and I'm going to say it a couple more times, I would imagine, is you just have a fluid harmony with different pitches, you know, different styles, and it all fits in so well for them. And what I was talking about earlier, when I was talking in the beginning, when I was playing those Atlanta Braves highlights for you guys to hear, is that I kind of see the same thing happening, you know, with the Atlanta Braves. What I mean is with Bone, you just have something here. You have a nucleus. You don't know how good it is because... They were just passed over. Wrong time for them. Uh, much like the Atlanta Braves, you could say. Now, they won a World Series, and yeah, I mean, these guys had platinum albums. We know who these teams are, these rap groups are, but the individuals is where we kind of fizzle out. We don't really know much. What made Bones so unique amongst those five individuals and then really four after that was, like I said, not just the style, the way they did things, their storytelling ability, their message, and the way they portray that is wildly and unbelievably unique. You have to be incredibly talented to do what they could do, much like these guys are, you know, for the for the Atlanta Braves right now. I said this earlier in the show, I'm gonna say it again. Look, I, I don't have a major league baseball team, but I know more about major league baseball players than anyone that you know outside of someone that does daily fantasy. I can tell you who spot starters are for the Mariners. I know who the pitching coach is for the Braves. I can tell you a lot of stuff about starters right now. Who's where in the division, where everything is. We could do that all day. Uh, I just like the game as a whole. Uh, it really comes to me when I watch the Atlanta Braves, that really happens. It's the same thing when I hear Bone, like, oh, and it comes across my playlist or something. I just go right back into, like, nostalgia. When I watch the Atlanta Braves, I feel like I'm watching something. But it's just simply not anything I've seen with baseball. It's not to say these are the three best players. It's just I don't think they can complement each other any more than they do. And when you break down and look at why it is what it is, well, look no further. I'll tell you why. The Atlanta Braves have three of the better players in Major League Baseball, and you're going to see them one, two, three in that order. 
and you'll see Acuna, number one. You'll see Olsen, and then you're going to see Riley. Now, the thing is with these guys is they're completely different in the way it's constructed a normal one, two, three powerhouse. This one's way different. And the statistics, although they're great, won't blow you off the doors when you first look at this. You're going to be a little mistake. You're going to go, well, I don't really understand. This guy's batting 230. What's the problem? Well, okay. So I've watched these guys enough to understand why this works. More or less, how, in this case, is this working? Because the why to me is like, well, I mean, the, the statistics do not add up to the whole. Now, the Braves, like other teams, I mentioned the Astros. What made the Astros made the Astros so dangerous in this massive, like, six, seven-year run they've had where they just win nearly every game they play, uh, what, what made them so special aside from dipping into free agency, getting guys like Cole and Verlander while working the farm system, which is what the Atlanta Braves have done to a massive extent, led to a lot of the Astros' success. The Astros also had a bottom half of a lineup that could kill you. And that is the difference between a great team and a good team. When you have just a couple guys, eh, we can get around them. That's going to be a problem, especially if I can walk them or especially if I know I can get them out or if the guy behind him, I'm not scared of him so I can walk this guy. So you don't want that. You didn't have that much with the Astros. You didn't have that much with a lot of teams that would come across my head, them just being the more recent. But this thing gets broken up over a while. You know, Bone, as I indicated, they weren't ran out. They didn't just quit. They just stopped. They just stopped producing uh, material. And I think that there's, you know, a lot to be said from that. Uh, just because you can, I guess, doesn't mean that you should, right? Should Breaking Bad have made a third season? Well, they would have made a lot of money. I think everybody knows that. Uh, but it wouldn't have been that good because they ended it at the perfect time. That's kind of like what they did. And they still kind of went on tour. They still did things. Uh their solo albums and all this, but it never really was what it was when they were running hardcore like they were, particularly between 1993 into 2001. And the Atlanta Braves having won a World Series a couple of years ago against the Houston Astros, where they just blasted their way with average pitching without their best hitter, Acuna, and they still rolled through the NL and the World Series like a hot knife through the liquid butter. I mean, it was ridiculous. Watching these guys, you could just bet the over in every game. And even when they lost, they'd give up six, but they'd scored nine. It was crazy. You don't see World Series constantly being 11 to, you know, 10. You just did there. They just clubbed their way to a World Series without their best player. When you see this one, two, three, what makes it so interesting, we'll start from the second hole. We'll start from two, Matt Olson. So what makes it interesting about Olson is that, or excuse me, about Riley as you'll see, he doesn't have the highest batting average. You know, guy, or excuse me, Olsen, I apologize. Guy doesn't have the highest batting average at 230, but he's got home runs, 18. That's a lot. He's on pace for 50-something. He's got 45 RBI. So you see here's a guy with a lower batting average and the high power stats, which you'll see a lot. But then you'll typically see the strikeouts being very high. You don't see that because he doesn't strike out. So what this guy does, one of the rare situations where he's a pretty good hitter, still batting 230, highest slugging percentage career, he's about 260, so, or 250, so he's batting below what he normally should, but he gets the bat on everything, and he doesn't hit into a lot of double plays. What this guy does is he just keeps moving Acuna up to second or third base with them being less than two outs. And this continues to propel the Braves to get all these early runs, which if you didn't know, is pretty good. You're going to want runs all the time, but I like them early too. I like them late even more, but I'll take them in the beginning. You will too. So are the Atlanta Braves, and that's what they do. And this guy can also hit for power. He's going he's to have 50-something home runs. And then after him, you have Riley, bets 265 with 11 home runs, 37 RBI. These guys are all going to have 110-plus RBI. 
is ridiculous. One, two, three. You're going to see 300 plus RBI and three people in a row. You just don't see that too often. And you're going to see it well before the season ends. These guys club everything. Today they scored 10 runs again. And how'd they do it? Well, the guy we didn't talk about yet, really, Acuna, Ronald Acuna Jr., he went nuts once again. So they went insane. Let's look at Acuna's last five games. Why not? Or his last 10. I'm looking at it right here. Let's just do his last five. It doesn't matter. It's all the same. So in his last five games, 22 at-bats. He struck out once. He's been, he's been struck out twice, walked once. Guy doesn't walk a lot. Doesn't need to because he bats 333 right now. So who cares? In these last five games, he scored six runs on nine hits, three of home runs, three home runs, four doubles, <laughs> 10 RBI, 10 last five games. <laughs> That's a leadoff hitter. It's ridiculous. This guy's going to have all these RBI, and he doesn't even have an at-bat. You're assured one thing when you lead off, you're going to have an at-bat every game where no one's on base. That's going to hurt your RBI number of about 10 to 20 if you think about it. He's still going to have 100 and something. It's ridiculous. Acuna this year, 14 home run, 43 RBI. He's batting 333. He's going after the triple crown. I mean, I mean, yeah, you got these guys one, two, three, and there's no way out. What makes this team so insane? What makes this so noteworthy? Let's go back to let's say Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent had an illustrious career in Major League Baseball. If you didn't know, for the Giants, he was batting behind Barry Bonds, which, if you didn't know, is one of the greatest seats in the history of Major League Baseball as far as where you want to be in a batting lineup. Reason being, there's a guy ahead of you that when he's not getting walked or hitting a single off a wall 320 feet, he's hitting it into the drink no matter where he is. You're going to see a lot of fastballs because Bonds is already on base. Can't walk people a lot when you already have to walk one person per inning. If you didn't know, there's only three bases. If you walk someone else, well, two-thirds of them are now, oh, I don't know what, two out of three. Is that two-thirds? Yeah, it is, right? (laughs) 66% is now being occupied. Mental math, always a big thing for me. So that's what made Jeff Kent so incredible, although he had a great year for Houston in 04, a great year for the Dodgers in 05. You know, when he was in there doing what he was doing, you know, this guy, I mean, 106 RBI, 50 doubles, 8 triples, 22 home runs. He batted, what, 370? Yeah, no, no, 37, I'm sorry. His on-base percentage was 370. He batted 299, 299, shade under 300, Jeff Kent. Now, he had good years out that he was good without it, but Kent got all pissed when people said, well, you're, you're in a good spot. He's like, well, he, so is he. It's like, oh, Jeff, are you telling me that Barry Bonds is benefiting off you? Barry Bonds might not benefit off Yahweh behind him. with a, I'm not sure anything benefits that guy. But one thing's for damn sure is you're benefiting off him, white boy. Let's establish that right now. Take that ego and get your ass to the dugout. Nobody cares what you have to say. I can tell you that. But Bonds was that one-man, three-man front, if you will. You go look at what made Bones so special. Like I said, it's in and out of the harmony that they had, the fact that these different pitches could be put on top of each other and do that kind of sequentially, but have it not sound stupid. That's kind of what makes a symphony great, right? The maestro, he makes sure that the harp doesn't like collide with the French horn, I guess. I don't know. But I know they're, they, they do a good job of staying clear of those collisions. To put things to more perspective to what I'm really trying to drive home here, Let's look at the Cardinals last year. One of the easiest major league, one of the easiest MLB win total wins of all times, over 85 and a half wins. They almost won 100. They won a division. It's ridiculous. And as I said, you had to deal with, you know, I talked about this a lot. When you dealt with the Cardinals, you're dealing with three guys with top five wars. Edmund batting second, third, Goldschmidt, MVP, fourth, Arnato, third in the second in the MVP, third behind Machado, 
in the National League on the MVP voting. Edmund getting a lot. Three top five war right there. And you see a lot of that on their offensive side. So, you know, these guys, it, it, what the Cardinals did, so you can't even really pitch to Edmund. So the leadoff guy is going to see 10 billion fastballs because nobody wants to pitch to Edmund. And then you get Goldschmidt and Arnato. One of these three guys is going to be hitting. If they're all hitting, forget about it. But the walk factory, that's what the, that's what the Cardinals created all last year, a walk factory. You're constantly walking people. And then you have to pitch to people late because you don't want this lineup to turn over again every time you walk someone. You're closer to Tommy Edmond, which means after that is Paul Goldschmidt and then Nolan Arnato. <laughs> that is that is a wreck fest, wreck. And everyone benefits off these guys. They're so good; it makes everyone so much better. There is not a sport that can make you look better, in my opinion, than in a batting lineup when the guys ahead of you. Need to, you, they need to pitch to these guys, whether you're up front or behind them. If you're up front, you're going to see a lot of fastballs. And if you're behind them, you're going to see a lot of people on base because they've been walked. So this creates this walk fest that creates a ton of runs. Because if you want to score, base runners are good. They're good. They are good. This is exactly what the Atlanta Braves create. I almost think they should move Acuna to second, put someone else up there. I don't know who you could put up there. It doesn't matter to me. Put Albies up there. But then you would have that where he's going to see nothing but fastballs for the rest of his life. Because now you really can't walk anybody if you put in a guy that can hit ahead of Acuna. But I know why you want to have Acuna, like the drunk neighbor says, the same way you want Dylan Cruz for LSU to bat leadoff so he gets as many at-bats as possible. <laughs> I understand that. And Acuna is just absurd. These three guys in that order are going to represent to me one of the most absurd one two threes in the history of Major League Baseball. Keep that receipt. I think it's pretty obvious, actually. I don't think that's even a big statement. I don't know how you get around this. The Braves are starting to spend money. They've paid these guys hundreds of millions now. They've locked them up for decades. Like, I think, what, did Olsen sign like a 17-year deal? They're going to be playing for the Braves forever. The Atlanta Braves also took a page out of a lot of other books, dabble in good free agency, but they also have one of the strongest farm systems you have ever seen. Right now, the Atlanta Braves, of all starting pitching, okay, and of all people that are starting position players, they have one player contributing over 27 years old and two free agents. Everyone, everyone else, minus people in the bullpen, these guys came through Atlanta's farm system. If you want to start winning, do this, and then hold on to them. But the Braves want to spend money. They ain't playing money ball anymore. They'll pay these guys. I know you guys remember. The Braves have done this before. They went after Dan Ugla. Remember this? An absolute nightmare. Ugla couldn't bat the Mendoza side of things. I was at a Braves game with the restaurant company in Atlanta for a team building thing when <laughs> they're playing the Nats and Ugla was on the Nats after the Braves got rid of him. The Braves were still paying Dan Ugla's salary when he played for the Nationals and he hit a three-run home run in Atlanta to win the game. Oh, it was amazing. And the Braves blew like a 19-run lead. <laughs> it's memories. Memories. Oh, I love it. But it's a nightmare to get through to this team. You're going to have to walk a ton of people. These guys don't strike out, and there's going to be a lot of balls in play, and they're not going to be popped up. There's not going to be many cans of corn. These guys smash. They rake. You put the other two guys away from each other. Olsen and Riley complement each other so well. I'm not even sure they'd be the same person. But they're Voltron when these three are there. Somebody's always on base. They can all run. And defensively, they're about as good as it gets. The only problem that Riley has on third base is he has Nolan, Nolan Arnato, who has seven gold gloves, 
who continues to win a gold glove, a silver slugger, tries to win a triple crown. He's the best defender in the and he's the best defender on the field. He's the best all-around hitter and he can't win an MVP. The guy bets 300 with 30 plus home run, okay? He has 100 plus RBI every year with a gold glove and a silver slugger. Sounds like the best player to me. Okay. <laughs> and if they were in the American League, they'd have to deal with the fact that Rafael Devers plays over there. Devers and Arnado, there's a lot of great third basemen defensively. These two are the best I've ever seen nearly right now. And they're both combined. They'll win 15 gold gloves when it's said and done with them. But all three of these guys are excellent defensively. Acuna in right field has an arm caliber like Mookie Betts. They're almost the same player. I'm not sure one's that much better than the other, to be honest with you. They resemble each other nearly every mode possible. A cannon of a right field arm for a guy that can catch anything and a leadoff hitter with as much power as anybody you had batting third, fourth, or fifth. You know, in first base, I mean, Olsen's as good as it gets. He already has one gold glove and he'll probably have more. Offensively and defensively, this is one of the best one, two, threes I've ever seen. And the way they operate, well, everything was on full display today with the way they just terrorize these guys. And if anybody can get on base in that seven through nine and get out of there without one out, and there's runners in the corners for Acuna, oh my God, you just walk into a nightmare situationally in baseball now where you can't really walk anyone. Now you have three guys in a row you're going to have to pitch to, so pick your poison. That's all you can do. These guys are going absolutely nowhere. You know, when I think about Bone and what makes him great and what I've said so many times already on this is not just the uniqueness and I've talked about the way they did things, the way they handled themselves, their storytelling, all of that. It's the way that these guys just refuse to break this thing up for so long, take in outside entities, and stick together, run the offense. This is exactly what the Braves have finally decided to do. We're not taking in anybody else off the streets. We like our rappers. We're good. We like the story that they're telling. Yeah, they're very violent, especially with the lumber. And then with the shotgun. What's that? I got the shotgun. You got the briefcase. One of the best lines ever from The Wire. <laughs> Omar and Jay are in court. Classic. Guys, watch the Braves. They're fun to watch, man. Watch these three guys. Watch them in the field. Watch them at bat. Watch how they complement each other. Watch how they work counts even to get people in better position to only move somebody over for the next guy up. They do this <coughs> unselfishly, and they do this repeatedly. I've watched the Astros do this when they were in their prime, when they had Springer, Altuve, you know, Bregman, when the whole Correa, when the whole crew was there. And, and, and what they're doing now is very similar to that, and more importantly, the pitching. My God, look at who the Braves have as pitching. You'll see a lot of guys ending in ER on the starters. Elder. Guys are studs. Strider. They all have sick mustaches. The tall Canadian Soroka, right? The Calvary Cannon. Guy tore his Achilles three years ago and he was going to win a Cy Young. 6'6 six, six, monster. His starts in rehab haven't been that good, but he'll be back. He'll be back. His last start, he already started throwing the wipeout slider again. Only a matter of time. He's like their spot starter who starts for most teams in Major League Baseball. The I think I said this before, and if I didn't, excuse me. But the oldest person in the Atlanta Braves, right? Over, I did say it. Only one person that's over 27. So that youth, that is so much youth. And there is so much talent. I just really hope they stay together and maybe they can have another World Series or a third. Hey, Bone had three platinum albums. Maybe these guys can win three World Series. I don't care if they do or if they don't. But I will tell you this. The Braves are going to go on a skid. They'll go on a skid in July or August. They'll lose eight out of 13. Olsen will go down. 
Acuna will go down. Somebody will go down. They'll go through their losing streak through the dog days of summer. And that is when we're going to bet the Atlanta Braves to win the World Series. We took over here. We took Baltimore. <coughs> Excuse me. We took Baltimore at the 40-1. to 1. And over here, we haven't done anything in the National League. But we are absolutely going to be taking the Braves the minute they get up to anything over 9-1. to 1. We're going to be jumping on that because they're going to be there. They're the best team in the National League. And they are the team to beat, in my opinion, in Major League Baseball. I know how that sounds with the Tampa Rays. There are some great teams in the AL. But this team is just running a train on every team they play. And it is just destruction. And their pitching is so good. And their hitting is so good. You'll see a run allowed score differential. You might see one of the highest ones you've ever seen in the history of Major League Baseball. Being as where they have the best offense nearly in MLB. And the best bullpen. And the best starting pitching. They have no weak spot at all. Even when you get down to stolen base attempts versus throwouts, they're like number two in that. They're good in everything. Just like I think Bone was good at everything. Bone's message was not as easily as interpreted. You had to do some work. You had to go read lyrics. You got to go out of your way to hear what these young men were trying to say at a very ridiculous time in a very ridiculous city in Cleveland, Ohio. You have to do the same thing with the Atlanta Braves. Watch these guys play. Look at the breakdown when they do this. Watch how they approach the game each at bat, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's special. Watch these guys a few times in one game, and you'll kind of see they're stocking the woodpile. They're building a powerhouse. They have it right now, and they've signed these guys into the rapture. So they ain't going anywhere. Bones no more. You'll still see them pop up on YouTube or social media. The Braves, however, they are now. They're not going anywhere, and I'm glad that I don't follow a team in the National League, particularly a team in the National League East. I would not want to play that team for a 40% of the season. That just doesn't sound that appeasing to me. So guys, thanks for checking out episode 156 here, the Braves Bones. We wanted to talk about this nostalgic, amazing rap group. We want to talk about what's happening right now with the Atlanta Braves with these three, with these three, did it, did it, every episode with these three guys. And I can extend this even more into what happens in the bottom of their lineup, but you get, you get the picture. Be sure and rate, subscribe, and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Sports Antidote. Reach out, touch a brother. Tell somebody about the Sports Antidote today. The Braves bones, guys. They brave. And they give the bone. Has anybody seen Bro Exotic? So listen up, because I'm going to give you your PhD in wokeology. Bro Exotic joins the sports antidote. What's going on, bro? Uh, what's going on, dude? Bro Exotic. Vice Pope Cow. Church of Woke. What's going on, dude? Sick. Nothing much, man. I just, um, I have a... There's so much going on with you guys with Pride Month. I can only imagine, you know, how many things are are going on. Can you tell us about maybe a few things that you're doing, on, you know, on the third day of Christmas or something yeah, along dude. those lines? Yeah, dude. Uh, you know, we're certainly teaching uh, teaching our woke uh, kids of privilege and color uh, about LGBTQ plus uh, CRT. Uh, it's a good curriculum for them. Of course especially during this month, you know, we had a, we had a good old, uh, 72 gender, gender reveal raffle, uh, set, uh, yesterday at Woke oh, Church. Bro, exotic. You just broke my head. Wait, what does a gender reveal look like at poolside in someone's backyard at the church of Woke? Can you please get into what that would look like next week for us? Oh yeah. Woke, the, uh, yeah. A the cow woke, gender woke, reveal. woke gender reveals, uh, turn into raffles real quick because there's just so many, um, and we don't know, uh, we're just, we're we pretty don't much, know. yeah, uh, we're not going to, uh, going to presuppose any gender. Uh, we're not going to assign anything. 
We'll no. look, we're gonna simply ask our woke newborn um, how they identify, and uh, we're gonna get our conclusions from there. And then uh, the the raffle winners uh, are announced uh, thereafter. <laughs> I mean, you can't. You just can't. I mean, you can make it up, I guess, if you had the time. Uh, wow, but I know you don't, and I don't either. So. I can't wait to hear more about this next week. Gender woke, uh, woke gender reveal. It's going to be incredible to see ritualistically how the church woke goes about that. 72 genders. I mean, it is plus combinations. Oh my God. It might be like a, it's like a, a a cricket test. It takes all weekend. Okay. I mean, really dude, it's just like, uh, it's, it's like winning a five team parlay. It's just, it's really tough, dude. All right. Well, I know, but anyway, speaking of, of I know a lot about not winning a five team parlay, but what uh what what else is going on? Now? So you know, like all that's great, and then that um, is good. That's very positive all, reinforcement. I agree. And then you know when when Pride Month is just going so well, dude. You know, Trump has to go and indict himself during Pride Month, taking all the focus off of the LGBTQ plus community, and it's all on back on him now. Now we're just talking about Trump. So like, even he, just, he wanted to just ruin this for all of us. He wanted to ruin it for the woke community. And then just go and indict himself. I just, I, I, I don't know this guy's. Uh, I just don't, I just don't understand how every single week I sit in the studio chair waiting for you to call in, bated breath. And I think to myself, there's no way that not even this man at this point can say something that will stop the pot. This will be the week we'll just carry on through. You know, let me be clear and be clear to the listeners. That you, the vice pope of the Church of Woke, Cal, you are coming on here with a PSA saying that Donald Trump indicted himself to ruin the game that Pride Month is throwing midway through the month. Is that what we're hearing? Yes. 37 criminal charges related to his handling of classified documents. <laughs> I mean, I thought he would, I thought it would just be like it, it would it would be poetic if he had 72 criminal charges. Just to go ahead and shadow all 72 genders during Pride Month, dude. This is absolutely, uh, I mean, you have to go out of your way to ruin Pride Month in this fashion, dude. You also have to go out of your way to give somebody enough charges that almost eclipse Barry Bonds' home run total in 2001. Uh, Unbelievable. I, I still can't get, I don't know how to, I don't quite think you unpack this. I'm not sure what to do here, but it would appear that you may have a point. And even to me, in, in the shortest percentage, I have to think, is there a chance that Trump would indict himself to anger all the woke at Pride Month? There's a chance. So I can't say your conspiracy theory. It's not theory. only a chance. It happened. It's a certainty. You're, now you're right. See, here comes the, the, the validation. Very good. I don't have an argument now. I need to talk. I needed to get with the drunk neighbor. You caught me off guard. Benny Hanna, I need to get him in close. Uh, the young Woken, I'm not sure. He, he sees too young in his journey. After being red pilled, he's too. He's got so much woke in him still, bro. You might pull him back if he hears that. So I gotta make sure he can't listen to that. I'll put a parental advisory on it. He won't be able to listen. He's only like 16 anyway, so his parents will tell him no. Tommy Bench, I I think he's gonna go into labor and may actually have a child and prove that men can give birth. So that could be good for you as well. So there's a. I mean, he even went on Twitter and said tax fraud question mark. I tax that ass and then pride flag emoji and then he had to take it down. So like he's clearly, he's clearly trolling the LGBT uh, LGBTQ uh, plus community. He's woking the uh, he's trolling the woke community. Uh, 
Uh, he is. I mean, I don't question know how about the world. Do you think Donald Trump would take a shot in the mouth to be president in a deal with the devil? I mean, maybe the woke devil. I don't know about your Judeo-Christian devil that doesn't exist, but I pro- most probably there's a woke yeah. devil. Oh, of course there is a woke devil. Oh my dude. god, dude, bro, you die. Oh my goodness. I mean, gender, church of woke, gender, seventy-two possibilities plus combinations, gender reveal. Trump indicted himself, and then this. I don't think yeah, you've the, ever, the woke devil. You've, you go to woke hell where there's no safe spaces. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Bro, you are spitting the most wicked hot fire of your two-year, one-month tenure on this show. I, I, I may just let you go till the, I don't even know if I'm going to do a bit. I don't even know what to say. So there's a woke devil, which makes perfect sense because there's clearly a woke god, of course. Man, right, bro, you. No, of course, yeah, of course. It's um, it's it. I mean, that is that is you know a reality for us, dude. When we it is a, do I, our, I don't even know. The room is spinning right now. I thought I stopped drinking a while ago. I don't know. We, I, we I, do our woke due diligences to uh, to escape um, I, an eternity in, in woke hell. Uh, we do, bro. I got to I, I got to go to a hard stop here, bro. I have I, I need to process. Can you uh, yeah, give dude. me a week, please? Absolutely, dude. I mean, too much. There's too much here. And my cup already runneth over from three weeks ago. And it's like you're constantly dumping Kool-Aid all over this cup. I can't fit it in. That's yeah, what she dude. said. And the thing is, and, the, and it, I just don't even know where, where to begin. Let's just begin next week with the woke gender reveal. And maybe we'll ease our way into the woke devil. I mean, I just, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, clearly wo- right now, talking about Donald Trump ruining the whole Pride Month doesn't even seem that crazy. So once again, you've done a good job of, of laying it down. I, I have no rebuttal, no objection to any of this. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I'll definitely, I'll be happy to talk about woke hell with you. I mean, because it'd be woke paradise for you. You know, it's a place where there's only two genders. Uh, it's a place where the Saints aren't a, a stupid team in New Orleans. Oh, I've been right. Yeah, you've lost me. Well, you lost me there. So keep going. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll go into further detail about the woke devil and woke hell. It's very interesting. It's probably a place where you'd want to be. Uh, it's clearly a place that no no person of a woke yeah. rational thought would ever want to be. But no, I know. I mean, poof, wow. Well, bro, I mean, once again, you've coming in here, and I'd say I would say you hit a grand slam, but I, I think it's more than that. I need to calculate what just happened. I'm not sure if it's smart or stupid. I'm not sure if it's real or fake. My fact-checking abilities right now have completely shut down. As a matter of fact, I don't even know my name. Uh, bro Exotic, I look forward to having you on. We all look forward to having you on next week talk about this gender reveal. You do have firsthand experience at these, correct? Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, I've, uh, I've you probably ran the service. I mean, you probably, I, I mean, many a gender reveal uh, of the woke hmm. variety have I ran, yes. Have you been at a gender reveal for more than 24 rolling hours at one time? They just keep coming, dude, because, I mean, we have to keep revealing gender, you know, even like three-year-olds, dude. We just have to have more gender reveals if they're gender fluid. You know, it's like... Uh, we have yeah, so, I mean, what do you do then? How do you even so shop? For- like, even gen- gender reveals in woke church is like, they're like altar calls at a regular church. Altar calls in a regular church? Trying to say... Oh, bro, exotic. Oh, I hope Benny Hahn is not driving right now because he went off that cliff next to his house. This is absurd. Bro, exotic, you are the gift that keeps giving. I, I will have that on my epitaph. I look forward to having you on next week. Anything you want to close with, bro, exotic? Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, no joke. Stay woke and uh, happy Pride Month, bro. Hashtag woke gender reveal. Hashtag hell Fauci, bro. Hell Fauci. We'll see you next week. All right, dude. Cheers. Unbelievable.
Ladies and gentlemen, the universal sign the drunk neighbor has punched his ticket into the studio. Drunk neighbor, how are you today? Doing very well. It's good to be back. What do you have today? Looks like uh, looks like a whiskey. Yeah, so uh, I cracked the top for a, a quick beer to chase back this. Uh, what did I pour? Uh, Jack Daniels that single barrel. Single barrel. So you got the. We have both elements here, ladies and gentlemen. We we don't have third. Just so you all know. This is technically brown water, drunk neighbor. He does have the brown water. This is what we need. We still can't believe we got the interview we did after the the first one we did with that with LSU losing to Florida State. How composed you were after that much brown water, but that's okay. You handled that amazingly. So the the, the before we get into LSU's football schedule, which is and the SEC schedules that just came out for football, a couple of things real quick. College baseball. You're a big college baseball guy. Tell us about LSU going to Omaha here. How do you feel about this? Well, it's incredible what a program can do once they get rid of all the homosexuals, mainly the one <laughs> as the head coach. So it's great to see LSU back in Omaha. I expect them to play well. Uh, I think the only goal that you can really have is to go to Omaha. It's not really that you're going to win the national Obviously, I want them to win the national title, but things just get weird when you get there. But So it's good to just be there again. Um, it seems like a team that could absolutely win it. I had a little tear in my eye on Dylan Cruz's last base hit where he had that last double. Kind of felt like that wrestling video a long time ago where the guy says, It's still real to me, damn it! <laughs> that was me yelling about Dylan Cruz at the end of that game. So it was an incredible moment. I'm really excited for them. I think as long as they've got Paul Skeens healthy and the bullpens come together, Big Riley Cooper and all the balls, I think that could be a, a decent little run. They're going to run into Tennessee in the first game. So, uh, prime time, Saturday night. Prime time, it is. Uh, for those of you who don't know, LSU having the best player I've, I've ever seen in my life. Most people would agree. We don't do much college baseball on here, but his name's Dylan Cruz. He's been here three years. He's basically a guy that could bat, what, they put him at leadoff. They put him at the four-hole, the three-hole. He's the pure hitter, can do anything. Five-tool player, and defensively, he might be better than he is offensively, which is crazy if you say it out loud. I've seen him make some plays wild. out there. It is. So he's got we got that. And he mentioned Skeens. That's the Air Force transfer that throws about a buck two. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, it's wild. He he's been he's there's a good possibility that those two go one and two in the draft. So it'll be really <laughs> interesting to see. Um, there's some good high school prospects yeah. as well. And then obviously that kid from Florida is really good, but those two could very easily go one to the Major League Baseball draft is so stupid the way that they do it with like money slots and stuff like that. You have that. to read but, a book. Yeah, you actually have to know yeah. something. So <laughs> I'm not going to try to speak on the draft there, but I, I I am excited about LSU. They're getting hot at the right time, pitching well. Yeah, they rolled in, man. They rolled into the read. They rolled through everything, won every game. Uh, really wasn't even close, any of those games. And, and as you know, even teams in the regionals that you've never heard of, they're in the regionals for a reason. They'll beat you in your own region. if You, you know, we found that out here a couple times Absolutely. Uh, here in Baton Rouge. So anyway, and lastly about baseball, before we get into uh, the SEC schedule and all, uh, I noticed your boy for the Astros, McCullers, the captain of the curveball. How many curveballs did he throw one time? 19 straight in the ALCS. And no one hit one. <laughs> yeah, no, he struck everybody out. Yeah, that was in – well, not everybody, but he had pop-up. But No one hit it hard. No. Yeah. It was unbelievable. He just kept coming to it, and it cost him. Uh, the guy's having his third major arm surgery. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's time to hang him up for old Lance, but I he could do whatever he wants. He's a legend. I I love that guy, and I wish him nothing but the best. Me too. I was there when they got him and McHugh. You guys were loading up on the early pitchers first round. McHugh well, got, stole the He end. got drafted the same year as Correa. Oh, okay. And they, were, they took Correa. This goes back to that slotting money instead of Byron Buxton because it was going to be less expensive. And then, well, he's pretty good, but... They that allowed them to take McCullers later in the in the first round and or second round something like that. And the rest is history. Buxton is really good. I just he's one of those guys that'll bat two hundred and knock in his hundred. You know whatever. He's just another one of these guys that now you can make a billion dollars doing this. But whatever. All right, so let's get into the uh, football schedule. We had to cover those things because they were important to me. So they're important to you. So the uh, SEC schedule comes out. I walk in a junk neighbor's house. There's confetti going on. There's a cover charge. Got a DJ in the corner. They're showing the SEC network on there. I didn't have to pay, of course. I just came right in. And it appears as though the schedule is out. So let's talk about LSU schedule here coming up 2024. And then kind of how you feel about the merging of Texas and Oklahoma with this, you know, schedule infusion that we have here. Or anything that jumps out to you. Notable holes. Oh. Butthole. Vagina. No. But Auburn. Mississippi State. Are the two that like I was like, huh? Neither of them are on Strange, the schedule this year. Strange, man, weird. Strange days indeed. Um, they will retain Florida. Thank God. I didn't know if you lost both because you lost. We we got A and M. Yeah. No. So A and M. They will continue playing A and M. They will continue playing Florida in twenty twenty four. We'll see about twenty twenty five. So just as a background for people that don't know, they've gone to an eight game SEC schedule. Uh, a lot of people have been pushing for nine games. They will probably do that in 2025. But for this year, they're go- or for 2024, they're probably going to go, excuse me, they are going eight games uh, with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma. <clears throat> excuse me. So this is going to be a very interesting schedule. Um, Alabama at home. Oklahoma at home. There's the new one. Vanderbilt at home. I don't understand that, but I guess they needed to weaken this schedule up a little bit. And then Ole Miss at home. Uh, the away games, we go to Arkansas. It was funny, whenever they were showing like in-state rivalries at the very beginning of that SEC program, obviously not in-state, but they, they were like Mississippi State, Ole Miss, in-state, Auburn, Alabama, in-state, Auburn, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, LSU, Arkansas, which I I respect that they put that in there. Yeah. I don't know. It's not that big of a rivalry, but it, it is – We've talked about it on the show. We don't yeah. need to cover that again. But then we get to go back to the swamp, which is great. Uh, did I say South Carolina, which they hardly ever play them, especially at South Carolina. Yeah. And then at Texas, ass to mouth. So let's talk about the top of the schedule. I can't keep looking at this. Yeah. So this is going to be a very interesting year. <laughs> so they'll play USC in Las Vegas. How do I not go to that? And then they have UCLA coming. To Death Valley. This so, has to be one of the sexiest. If you have season tickets, this is one of the most healthy home. Yeah, you get I've o- seen in a while teams that you haven't ever seen. Yeah, you know, like UCLA, South Alabama. People forget. No, I'm just kidding. But you get Al- you tough. get Alabama at home. You get Oklahoma at home, and you get UCLA, which you know they owe them after that horrible Oof. performance during Hurricane Ida. Uh, but I like this. Um, I, I will miss playing Auburn, um, but I'm happy that they retained a and I'm happy they retained Florida, and I'm happy they retained Alabama. I mean, LSU, I think that's why Brian Kelly came to LSU is to play teams like that. 
Uh, so it's exciting. I'm excited. I'm, I may try to make the trip to South Carolina. Um, that's will, a that's a must. I will definitely be making the trip to Clemson in 2025. Um, absolutely. You know what? Yeah, we can mark that one now. I'll go to that one. I hate that school so much. Uh, I will go to South Carolina. Oh, you know how much I love that squad, though. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be a fun time, but I don't know how we're not going to Southern Cal. And you know what? I can't do that. I can't go watch USC in Las Vegas. I have, I could lose a lot of money here. You talk about yeah. trash. <laughs> and that'll be the Garrett, the Garrett Mus- Nussmeyer year. So it'll be very exciting to see. Absolutely, it will be. So coming up here in the 2023, I know that schedule's been out for a bit. We haven't got um, kind of your input on how you feel. It's too early, really. We're still in June. I'd like to get maybe into July before we get into actually the actual season. But what have you seen with LSU so far for any fans out there, SEC, LSU or not, that has happened so far with any, maybe the transfer portal? Anything that the elementary listener that likes LSU would be able to carry with him, maybe? So I think we talked about this guy already, Omar Spates, coming in from Oregon State because he wants to play against real men and not play (laughs) at midnight against a bunch of So I think he's going to be a really good addition (laughs) right next to Harold Perkins, who's going to be playing in the middle of the field now. They were. I was listening to something with Brian Kelly the other day. They may move him out to rush on like third downs, but putting him in the middle at that middle linebacker makes him a lot harder to game plan for. You can't just go the other way. Uh, so I'm very excited about that opportunity there. Uh, they've got some good transfers in. They brought in a kid from SLU that was highly recruited all over the country. They brought in a kid from um, Syracuse, Deuce Chestnut, who's a good uh, cornerback, and then they've also been able to bring back Mason Smith, which if you've ever followed recruiting, the guy was one of the top recruits in the country, played really well for LSU in his freshman year. Last year against Florida State, he tears up his leg on the first series of the season, out for the year. Luckily, we had McKee Wingo there, who's coming back again next year. The middle of this defense is going to be really something to watch, so I'm really excited about that. What I'd like to see is with running back, they just brought in a transfer from Notre Dame. Uh, so hoping that we can start seeing a good running back at LSU again. Like we had Clyde Edwards Hilaire in 2019, but other than that, it's been kind of a lull for a while. And, and he's not a traditional back either. So it'll be interesting to see that. And John Emery, if he's going to play one of the most overhyped recruits of all time. So we're going to find Easy. out if he's going to actually turn out. But. Yeah, I mean, I, there's this is a team that is going to be projected to be a top five team uh, this year. So, Brian Kelly delivered on a year where he did not have expectations. So here we are with actual expectations. So didn't take long. We, I believe we said that that would happen. Uh, we didn't think it would. It did. Not that we're setting it up to where. Oh, look, we're always right. Look what happened. And if they lose to Florida State, I'll kill myself. If they lose to Florida State, they'll be zero and one. Yeah, and and I'll go jump off a cliff. I can't believe how well you took that. When they miss, I'll say it again. I don't care. I'm at the guy's bachelor party. I mean, people are on the... They had just done a keg race, same day, right? People, there's puke everywhere outside. It's just hysterical. And this game ends on a blocked field goal to not send it to overtime on the last play of the game. And everyone's going crazy. Right before that happens, the drunk neighbor looks over at me. He can't hear anything. It's loud as shit. And he goes, he's missing it. And I laugh at him. And he, did you even watch it? I don't think you I did. Oh, it. you did. Then you just turned around and you went like, yeah, you see, <laughs> you didn't even really want to kill anybody. I thought for sure that if your previous tenant 
the Auburn fan had said something right there. There could have been that could have been this power bomb off the top of of the condo. There was enough people furious and showing how angry they were. I didn't need to get involved in that, so it was a disaster. But smart man, they're bringing the special teams, uh, new special teams coordinator in. So hopefully. We don't see all those blunders this year. Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully not. That's a shame. But anyway, look, uh, Drunk Neighbor, I uh, love having you on here. Thank you. We look forward to potentially having you on in July. We got to get into, like, SEC. One thing I want to get into when you're ready, I want you to take a look at all the SEC Week 0 or Week 1 lines. We got to talk about I want to know how you feel about Week 1 with some of these games when all these are out. They're all out right now. But I'd like your take on the gambling side and maybe – you know, we'll get into some futures. I know you like those as well. I do like the futures, and you know, I'm I'm ready to give like some bold predictions. I like here. It. I, I one like of it. them may be that Alabama starts the slot. Oh, foolish as a man, bets against Nick Saban. Well, <laughs> it has to end sometime. I'm not saying it's ending this year, but they play a pretty tough schedule with Tennessee, LSU. And I think Texas A&M might be a little sneaky this year. Uh, it's going to be – you know, I say that because I see the talent on that roster, but then I just look at that head coach. And as long as Jimbo's there, I, I just – I don't know how they contend for a title, but we'll cover that as we get deeper into it. He brought his boy in, man. They'll figure it out. What yeah. could be wrong with that? Just bring in a drinking buddy. 160 years of two white guys on earth. Wait, wait, they can't figure this out, right? Bobby Petrino. <laughs> let's see if he's the answer. I don't know, but I... I... He will take full credit. Like the, He will jump in front of the press conference, take full credit, and then take the job down the street at Texas Somebody, Tech. Yeah. He'll just leave. <laughs> he'll just leave. On a motorcycle. Yeah, he'll just fall off a motorcycle mm-hmm. on his way to Lubbock. Oh, we're so funny. Well, we'll see you on there next week then. Drug Neighbor, always a pleasure. Anything you'd like to close with for the antidotions here? Go Tigers. Easy enough for me. Go Tigers. Thanks for joining the Sports Antidote, episode number 156. The Braves' bone. Guys, the Braves ain't going nowhere. And I wish Bone was still here. Thanks to the Drunk Dave for coming in telling about LSU. Talking about the baseball trip coming over to Omaha. It's going to be huge. Talking about the 2024 SEC schedule. USC, UCLA, they have pretty jerseys. And then you have Oklahoma and Texas, of course, which are inevitably going to cuck. That's all they're really good for anyway. Everybody knows this. So they're going to come on over. It's going to be amazing. I cannot wait for football to come in. And then thanks to Bro Exotic, of course, for coming on and blowing my mind about, oh, my God. Where do I even begin? Donald Trump and Dice himself? I mean, there's a woke devil. We do <laughs> we do gender reveal woke parties with the Church of Woke. This is incredible. Next week's going to be even better. Be sure and rate, subscribe, and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Sports Antidote. Reach out, touch a brother, and tell somebody about the Sports Antidote today. Keep it real, Antidotions. Lie down with your hands behind your back. No, bitch, you lie your funky ass on the ground. Team investigation has become a horrible nightmare.